Saying low, Apple Music. Question, buddy. Who is the biggest selling country music artist on the planet right now? Garth Brooks. Probably. But who's like someone else who sells a lot of records? Randall Lambert. Yep. Keep going. <laughs> Luke Combs? Bingo, buddy. Oh. You got it in three. That's our guest on the podcast today. This is Jeremy, by the way, everybody. He joins me in the studio sometimes just to eat and drink, which is actually not allowed in our podcast studios. What? <laughs> but somehow he gets away with it. Anyways, we're now at episode 100. And uh, our guest on this episode is the wonderful Luke Combs, somebody who has released multiple albums now and reached millions and millions of fans. He's a bona fide check this out stadium sellout artist he plays stadiums we're not just talking like a floor and some stands we're talking like multiple layers of tens of thousands of people as what Luke Combs does what? it was was replaying how to put on a flute oh the how to put make a flute that's for a future podcast with Lizzo (laughs) he catches at a time where we're trying to work out how to build a flute which is surprisingly complicated and comes in multiple parts so we sought help and we still don't know if we've built it right. We'll cross that bridge in a few weeks' time when Lizzo's in the interview series. But right now, getting back to Luke Combs, his brand new album is actually one of my favorites of the year. Covers a lot of ground. It's got a lot of power to it. At times, it feels like it's a bit of an alternative rock experience. Definitely for country music fans, they'll, uh, they're being pushed in a, in a new direction by an artist who they trust to do so. And here's why. What a great dude. Really great conversation to be had. Equal parts deep and humorous. I feel like Luke Combs, we got to know him pretty well in this episode of the podcast. So even if you're not necessarily a country music fan, get over yourself. <laughs> but thanks for listening. It's actually interesting, Luke, because it introduces the album with a timeless songwriting moment, but it also kind of fools us a little bit into thinking that that's the journey that we're on. Yeah. And then the album unfolds and, dude, there's some real stompers in there, bro. Like, oh, it's a, for sure, yeah. It's a rock record in a lot of ways, man. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, I think, uh, I think country's been going that way for a long time, so, you know, it's just kind of... Happy to be a part of that. Yeah, man. I just, I don't know. I just, I just like making music that makes me happy, really, dude. I mean, I know that sounds kind of lame, but it's probably, it's the truth. <laughs> you know what like, I mean? It sounds like the fundamental truth in the yeah. artistic spirit to me. Yeah. You just like, that's what, if you're not having fun, what are you doing? Can you, you imagine know? a different time or a different era? Like, it's kind of a strange thought, but if you'd come out at a time before country music was open to that. Yeah. Before the idea of distortion and feedback mm-hmm. and, and the modern country you've been instrumental in helping to support and usher in, you know, you still would have had the desire to make songs, but I mean, yeah. it would have been a different time and it probably would have been quite a lonely time. Yeah. I mean, it would have been, it would have been different, but I think it's also like, it's so hard to just know what would have happened because it's like, I don't know, like I am in this time now, you know, so it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to wonder I need to learn you know. to not like introduce the like back to the future three DeLorean questions in the first 30 <laughs> seconds of the interview. 
I like it though, man. Get you thinking. You we know, need to warm up to those. Ones. It's a brain warming up this morning, dude. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, do you, I, something tells me you don't really turn your brain off though in a weird way. You, I, well, I don't know. I feel not like, really. No, I feel like you got some thinking going on. Uh, lots. Me too. Actually, me lots. Too. Takes lots. one to know one, bro. Yeah, just turns into anxiety eventually. You know what I mean? That's what the that's the yeah. thing. Here's the thing about obsessive compulsive disorder because I suffer yeah. and mm-hmm. have done my whole life, right? Yeah. In fact, suffer is the wrong word because I've utilized it. Yeah. Without it, it definitely wouldn't have enabled me to focus on the things that I love. No doubt. For sure, man. You really appreciate when you're not dealing with it, you learn to really appreciate those things. Those moments. But yes. then it can, when it catches you mm-hmm. and it gets you in its grip and you, and you don't have a strong distraction to counter it, yeah. it, can be, it can be tough. Oh, man, absolutely. I mean, I find, you know, it's like when we're, you know, we'll go do a really great tour and it's like, you know, months on end of just like countless um, hours of like work and travel. And then like, you look so forward to that, like kind of being over towards the end. And then when it's over, it's like, I find that's when my, I like suffer with it the most. It's like when there's like nothing to do, like when I don't have anything to do is yeah. when, it's, when it's the worst. Well, really. it's distraction or self-destruction. Right. For sure, man. I mean, there's no, there's no good like balance of, you know, like if, I mean, I love being home and relaxing, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's like after, you know, it's like a month of it is like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something, you know, I gotta have like something to accomplish or something to do or like something that I'm working towards, whether it's music or my current, uh, current struggle is golf. Oh, just become maddening is maddening well, experience. Well, I, I want to know where you start because I'm interested at this point in my life in learning how to play, but there's no way I'm going to walk onto 18 holes with my friends right now because it's just like they'll leave me behind by the, the end of the first hole. So where do you even look? you just go to a driving range? No. Uh, yes. No, I, you don't want to ask me this. This is, I, there's, it's just endless, dude. It never, it never ends. I'm absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely atrocious and ever here's the thing about golf people that play all the time you tell them that and they're like oh yeah you yeah, know yeah, everybody's yeah. bad on. and i'm like no, no 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 it's it's not everybody's bad because their bad is just way better than your bad so right? has anyone identified what the issue is with your game right now is it your swing i oh yeah it always is it's always the only thing well, that's could be, the could be mental that's the hard part about it is could like, be mental nobody's beating you but yourself yeah you can't be beat by really anyone else, honestly. Are you a club thrower? Oh, yeah, dude. Big time. Big time. One around. I'm good for at least one around. At <sighs> least. Minimum. Minimum one around. And I'm not. Here's the thing. Is I shouldn't be. Why? Because I'm not any good at golf. Right. So you're, saying, I shouldn't you're expect, overreacting according to your own lack of skill. Right. Because I was, I was literally playing golf yesterday. Yeah. And having a conversation uh, with someone and was like, Here's the thing. It's really fucking hard to be really, really good at something yeah. and then go be just the worst guy in the world at something else. You, like you, in the same well, day. Well, you're used kind of. to being, and I can do this. It would be awkward if you did it and you're not the kind of guy I know who would do it, but I can second person you in a third person environment. Sure. It's hard being Luke Combs and being shit at something. For sure. And I'm bad at a lot of stuff. And also, music, by the way, right. these golfers can't go on a stage. True. In front That's of 55,000 people. That's true. And play true. a stadium. So then you get yeah. in this on their stage. Right. And you come out and you're like, you effectively can't right. sing. But absolutely. You can't play not the guitar. Yeah, not at all. It's just horrible. It's like shreds. 
and they just yep. they just love it. Golf is the only th- thing that kills me about it too. It's the like the only thing that you have to like be really bad at in front of other people. Yeah, you can only get better in front of people who are already good. It's true. Like there's no. It's true. Unless you're, you know, in some insanely wealthy person who builds their own golf course in yeah, there yeah, at their yeah. house. Yeah, exactly. Like you have to go and out. And even then people smell a rat because right. you go out onto the green. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. this guy's really good. Well, it's like, and we don't play bad courses. You know, I would. It doesn't matter to me. I can't hit a ball at the ni- at Augusta National and I can't hit a ball in my backyard. So hope, it doesn't matter to I, me. I, I like the fact that you acknowledge that right now in terms of tantrum throwing. You're that 10-year-old kid who runs out onto the court and immediately tries to shoot a three, misses Mm -hmm. by about seven meters. And it's like and then just like fuck. Yeah. It's like somehow I expected to be wonderful. Amazing. You expect to walk out and you're like, okay, golf's easy. I'm gonna be great at it. And I've even though I've am 32 years old and started playing two years ago. You know, it's like started playing is I took my first lesson a month ago. Yeah. So started playing is easy. Why does one take up golf? I mean, at this point in the in the career world, it's like, you know, we've been to mostly every city that we've played in. Sometimes, multiple times, most of the time, multiple times. You've been to every bar. So you've gone to the every bar, museum. you've gone to the museum, you've like, you know, seen the park, and then it's like, okay, well, we can go play golf, or we can just like sit on the bus and not do anything That's a nice way to kill a day. It is, and it's great. And you're outside, which is awesome. And I'm, I love to, I love to hunt and fish, which is not something that can be done as easily as difficult to do that in Seattle. Yeah, but I mean, you can fish, but it's like here's my deal: is like when that's true. I go you can golf, fish. Yeah. I could have picked any f-ing city in America, and I picked the one on the water, <laughs> the one with the fish market, oh, f- the with one the with the fish market, world famous right. fish market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing about here's the so if we go minute. play. If we go play, like it's it's four people, right? So yeah. we can pick. I pick the three people that we go play with. So you're gonna pick the sh- people? No, they're all good. That's the more annoying part is that everyone on tour with me is awesome at golf and has been playing their whole life. So that's also terrible because I have to watch the three of them be wonderful. And the they're whole all time. safe to say in your employment. Yes, yes, hmm. yes. Complicated. Complicated, but I don't. You know, yeah. But they all oh, no punches. You don't pulled. judge them a little bit if, if they like no. beat you on the course. Oh no, just a little. Bit. I can't because it's not even the same thing. What's it's one? Be what's, like if you what's know, one of their names? Uh, Harp. Harp. Luke wants to see you in the tour manager's office. Okay, He's cool. in there right here. He's right. my best friend from high school. He's right. not going to have it. Harp. He's not going to have it. Harp. It's good to see you, man. Thanks yeah. for coming in. Listen, just feel to me like your heart's not in it right now. I just want to. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you're really, really, Luke. This has nothing to do all, with right. the fact that. Mm-hmm. You're still on the ninth green? Yeah. Nah, yep. hop, it's just your heart's not in it, bro. And I yeah. just I feel like you're, you're, you're not hustling. We need some time. You're not hustling. Figure some things out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, dude, I respect you for taking it on. I really want to do it. I know I'm in for a world of pain. You are in just the, it's going to be the worst thing you ever did. Will it, the best. Will it affect, like, okay, it's, let me try and make good on Seattle. You're in Seattle. Okay. Tell me there's a good golf course in, outside of Seattle. I'm sure there's many. Let's say there is. Yeah. Right. You go out there on the course. Mm-hmm. You have a bad day on the course. Mm-hmm. Like a bad day. Mm-hmm. Like even Harp kind of hold it back. He's like, look, right. <laughs> sucked today. Dude, it's that's every day, man. That's, right. It's nothing new. You go on stage later that night. 
the Seattle Stadium, mm-hmm. you just half ass it. Like, <laughs> you're just like, you're just like, hey, I hope you have a good night. <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed the show. Yeah. No, I, it would be the opposite, man. Bring I'd a be, stool out and just sit down. Probably the show would probably be even better, honestly, because I'd be so angry. A little more punk know? rock to it. Yeah. There's some punk rock angry. on this album, bro. There oh, is. There's that, energy. The energy on this record. Lot, I listened to a lot of punk rock growing up. I did. Like what? I loved television. Oh, shit. Love television. Wow, you're a Tom Belane uh, fan. Dead Kennedys. Hell yeah. Uh, no effects. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously the obvious, you know, the green days of the world. Yeah, yeah, the, of course. Of course. The children of those bands. Yeah. And, the, you know, Blink-182 was yeah. great. Love yeah. that. You grew yeah. up on that stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm a 1990 90s kid, kid. 90s you know, kid. and so. But I love that you went back, man. You went into the yeah. like, you know, no effects, mm-hmm. probably a bit of minor threat, like that whole yeah. kind of era of the hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. Rancid. I'm, Oh, rancid. now we're talking. Yeah, loved Rancid. Yeah, The Clash. Big big Clash fan as well. Dude. A lot of that stuff, man. A lot of that stuff went on mm-hmm. in my life. We're going to get some Rancid going on in here, bro. Now we're talking, man. Oh, my God. And out come the wolves. This album is absolutely flawless. Where's Ruby Soho? Come on, man. Let's hit him with the realness. <laughs> Hang on, huh? This shit is like... And the way they used to play... <sighs> <laughs> that shit was epic. Yeah, he's not from Britain, but he sounds like he's from Britain. Yes. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know? Ruby, 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 so <laughs> destination known. Yo, that's one of the best live bands I've ever seen. Who turned you on to that? Sh- well, I don't know, man. I mean. You know, I grew up in Asheville, North Carolina, which is a pretty progressive place. Mm-hmm. And so there was just all kind of music there, man, all the time. And my, my parents don't, you know, play music or, or really, I mean, my mom sang in high school a bit and stuff, but they don't play instruments or anything. But there was just always music going on in our house. And they have great taste. And it was always different, all kind of stuff. It was never like just one thing. Like my dad listens to literally everything That's that exists. Awesome. What's your dad's name? Music. His name's Lee. Mm-hmm. And uh, grew up in, uh, grew up in uh, outside of Akron, mm-hmm. Ohio. And wow, that's a really that's a very musically rich environment. Yes, I believe I don't want to misquote my father here, but his first concert was, I believe, it was the James Gang. Opening for it was either it was either the Who or Led Zeppelin. The night we landed on the moon was my dad's first concert. Wow, man, you never had a chance, bro. <laughs> you never had a chance. Yeah. that moment when yeah. you realize that your whole life is laid out for you. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The drums on this? Yeah. Bald day. I know where you're going. I don't think that's acting right. Yo, where's the drum break on this joint though? Oh. Percussion break. Oh my God. Slick. Slick. Yeah. This is what excites me to some degree. I don't want to get ahead of myself because I think this new album's triumphant and we're going to dive into it in a second. But, dude, like, I really think, like, you will cover so much ground 
in your life musically. Yeah. Like I can totally hear that. Yeah, there's definitely some uh there's definitely some some bluesy funky stuff going on, man. I've always been drawn to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Musical thing. I don't know. Like being in the studio is really fun for me, you know. Like just especially because in Nashville it's like when you go in the studio, you know that literally some of the best musicians in the world are in there. And you don't feel pressure because of that. You feel opportunities it's, right there in front of you. It's like if you wanted to, if you wanted to say, man, you know, I really want to have a meal tonight. And there was eight chefs across the table from you. <laughs> and you just kind of went, I'm thinking it's going to be savory. <laughs> and there's going to be steak in it. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. And that guy's, ooh, I can do steak. Yeah. And then you're like, and what about leeks? Yeah. And, oh, got some leeks. Could we put it in a pastry? Right. Yeah. Why not? And it's like all these people that can just do anything and not even limited to, to country. I mean, these people are playing on everything. I mean, if you wanted to record a record and you don't record with your live band, you would be ridiculous to not be in Nashville doing that. This is one of the things I love about your story. I was reminding myself, because we met back in 2019 briefly mm -hmm. at an awards. It was like an after show for an awards mm -hmm. thing. Yes. It was me and my someone I'm very lucky to call my boss, Eddie Q, big Duke fan. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> oh, shout out on the shirt. It's going to be thrilled to watch this back. He's going to love it. He's going to love it. And everyone was saying, oh, man, this is, the, this is the guy, but it's like, it's happening really fast. Like, it doesn't happen like this. Someone mm -hmm. even said, like, he's Drake. Like, it's that quick. Oh, man. No, seriously, that. but it was big. like, at the yeah. time, it's like, he's yeah. Drake. Like, it's that mm -hmm. big. It's happening that big that quick. And um, it was before Billy, they would say it's Billy now, you know. But what amazes me is that I don't think you get to the point where you were as comfortable as you were because you seem to just be handling everything beautifully. Mm -hmm. Unless you have this kind of innate sense of self-confidence in what you do. Yeah. And I guess the question is like, when did you realize that you were good at this, that this was something that you should do, that you weren't second-guessing or overanalyzing, especially somebody like me yeah. who has OCD, which is often an enemy of that? I guess I really, man, I started singing as soon as I could make noise. I mean, you know, that's what, you know, what my parents tell me is like, the second you could talk, you were singing, exactly. you know, and it was just, I don't know why, you know, it's not like my parents pushed me in that direction. Um, it just instinctually happened. Yeah. And so, you know, from the time you're five years old, you're singing every day in the car when you're home in the shower and it's like, you're doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. And then in like sixth grade, like, so like middle school comes mm -hmm. around. Right. And the way my middle school worked is in sixth grade, they made you take like six weeks of every elective course. So it's like you do That's band cool. for six weeks, then you do chorus for what six a great weeks, school. then you do gym for six weeks. So then it's like, okay, so you're exposed to everything yeah. for six weeks at a time. Yeah. And then the next year you get to start picking your electives, what you want to do. And so I did chorus and I was like, okay, well, I'm not a big, it wasn't a big school guy. I didn't love like. I love learning stuff. But I was going to say, you seem very intelligent to me, but that, yeah. surely that comes down to the fact that you knew it wasn't for you. Yeah, it's very quickly learned. Like, it took me, you know, dropping out of college and trying to become a country singer to figure mm -hmm. out that mm -hmm. I love to learn stuff, but I don't love to learn stuff unless I want to learn it. <laughs> right? So, like, I'm, yeah, so, like, so learning structure is not necessarily your, your, your friend. Yeah, like the whole, you need to learn mm -hmm. this, this, and this, and this. Because I would be in math class like, when the... 
you know, when am I ever going to have to do the square root? And how are your parents about that? Because I know you have, obviously, by the sound of it, you have pretty progressive parents. They, Mm -hmm. you know, they love James Gang and they love Rancid and you're getting exposed to all these cool things. They put you in a great school, which gave you a chance to follow your your, your dreams early on in life. So they recognize that there's there's, there's life outside of the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. But they still want you to be prepared. Yeah. Right. Which requires grades and it requires work and study because it's all just Mm -hmm. about preparation for life. Mm -hmm. So you, how do they feel when you're like, look, it's not hidden for me. Well, they were probably like, I wish you would have decided this before, you know, five years of taking student loans out that you wanted to do something else. Um, Obviously, you know, I mean, that's all, you know, stuff that I've luckily been able to pay back uh, now. But yeah, so I I was in school and it was like, I went to college because it was like, okay, well, what do you do if you want to be like a successful person in the world? You go to college. That's like the narrative that is fed to you the whole time. And not that there's nothing wrong with going to college. I think it's a great thing. Sure. I think it's real world light a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, what it is, if you're not prepared yet, right? if you're not 100% sure, Mm -hmm. it buys you time. It does. That's what I think. It actually gives you time Mm -hmm. to figure it out. It costs a lot of money. It does. But that's what time is. And it forces you to go outside of like, you know, because if you go to a certain school, like, you know, where I grew up, it was a, you know, it was a pretty, you know, progressive place and mm-hmm. there was a lot of different people, but you quickly realize that there's even more kinds of people that I've never been exposed to. And yeah. then you're there yeah. and you're in this melting pot of people who are in the same phase of life pretty much as you. Yeah. And you're forced to interact with those people and work together with those people and, figure everybody's figuring each other out. You know what I mean? And you're good socially? You're a good social cat? Yeah. I'm big. I was an only child. So ah, it's very like, to figure, you gotta figure it friends, out. dude, was like, that yeah, was, you know, yeah, that was yeah. the thing for you me. You got a master. It's an equation at that point. Yeah. Because you don't have like, you know, brothers and sisters running around. Yeah, so it's yeah, like when you're home, if you're home by yourself, man, it's like, you're it. That's it. Was it know? lonely sometimes being an only kid? No, you know, no, no. I can't say I ever felt lonely. Honestly, I always had a ton of friends. Um, and I've had a lot of the same friends for a long time. So we've all been really close. Uh, we all are still talk to each other pretty much on a daily basis to an extent. Um, do, you, do you feel like your parents were um, able to let you go when it was time without having, you know, siblings around in order to be able to kind of counter that? Because it's, it's, that's a yeah. big challenge. I mean, my dad definitely was, you know, uh, my dad was definitely a lot better about it. My mom has always struggled with it. But it's, that's mom's of course, too. You know, man. I mean, it's like, I'm her only kid, you know, and it's like she misses me, you yeah. know what I mean? And so yeah. uh, we talk a couple times a week, though, on the phone. And You get her you out know, to the, shows? Yeah, oh, man, she loves – she was just – we played Mile High Stadium last weekend, and yeah, she know, came congrats. out and had a blast, man. Took her up to the top, you know, thing, and, you know, walked her all around everywhere, and just like I did when I played in the bar, you know, it was like mm. she'd come out. and No, they're super proud, man, and they love to come out and – and, you know, go to different places they hadn't been before and see shows and hang out. Because they're, you know, they're both pretty social folks as well. Like yeah. to talk and be around friends. Oh, it must be the dream like for them, that. you know, roll it's in great. there and just hang with people that, you know, are close and old friends of yours. That yeah. Whose job it is to help nurture your vision and bring your beautiful music to us. Yeah. That's family. It's and neat. then yeah. constantly meeting people who really are there to remind them how great their kid is. Sure. Yeah, it's neat. <laughs> it's definitely neat. It's a unique, uh, that's a unique thing. I mean, I remember, you know, having the first thing I was, gosh, it was probably ACMs of 2017 probably was my first 
award show that I had went to. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting ready. It was like, it was the day of the like rehearsal. And so obviously I didn't have to go because I wasn't performing or anything. I was like, I had Hurricane was out, but it wasn't like a, a big hit yet or anything. And so I was just going to kind of get pictures, you know, and you know, do a couple small interviews and sit in the crowd and just watch, you know, and be there for the first time. And I remember calling them and I had been playing shows, you know, through when I lived in North Carolina. And then when I came to Nashville and, I, you know, I met Cappy, you know, and he started managing me and we were just playing a lot, a lot, a lot of shows because it was like, and they were going really, really well. And I remember calling my parents and being like, I'm paying your house off. And they were like, what are you talking, what? Like, you can't, no, don't do that. You know, and I was like, no, I'm doing this. what I'm doing. So I bought myself a truck and I paid my parents' house off like first thing away was the first thing I did, man. I mean, had to, had to. Because that just, you realize how hard, I mean, we didn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, man. I mean, we did, we did not, you know, my parents were really good at making it seem like we were doing fine. And we were doing fine. You know, it's like I had everything I needed and not a lot of what I wanted. Sure. I'll put it that way. Sure. There was never a struggle for a meal, you know, but it was still like my parents, you know, it was like, if you, we need a new wash, washing machine, like where can we, who will give us 0% interest financing for three months? You're you know aware, what I mean? You know, you absorb that stuff as a kid. And then when yeah. you get old enough that you see a little bit away from that clearing, like a little bit of clearing away from that. Mm -hmm. And you have the ability and the altitude to be able to look back at that your parents are still in that space it was wild man it's beautiful man it was cool it doesn't man. get better than that by the way no, that was like the coolest thing ever you i know? mean it gets bigger and it gets more meaningful for you and your family it does but in terms of like the thrill of the chase yeah that's it no doubt i mean being able to help your parents man i mean I mean, I know everybody doesn't, you know, not everybody has the same experience, you know, with with their folks, you know, sure. not everybody has great folks. And so, sure. um, no, you're lucky, you want to lucky. I'm ones. definitely. And you realize that's another thing you don't realize, man, until you get to that point is like, just the like, how lucky you were to have like a concrete home life. But it's what you do with it, Luke. Oh, it's what man. you do with it. Like yeah. if, to be able to recognize that. Yeah turn it into something positive for your own family and for the people who listen to your music. Isn't that kind of what growing up's about? Definitely, man. You Definitely. know, I mean, those first two albums, huge records, undeniable. Mm -hmm. Set you on a path to success. Stadium's on album three. Not even Drake's done that. Said it. <laughs> Said it. Just while we're playing comparative data. But this album, what's fascinating to me is it, it catches you at a really important turning point. You said you're 32? Mm-hmm. Daddy yet? Close-ish? Very close. Any I mean, day now? The clock is That's ticking, right. bro. The fact it you're is here is coming. blows. As a father of two teenage boys, the fact you're here blows my mind right now. We thought it was a great idea six months ago. Yeah, right. We were like, yeah, right. oh, we got a month left? That's so much time yeah. left. <laughs> it's your first, right? Yeah, That's so we, like, we don't know. We were like... Oh, that's plant. Like it won't even be. Yeah. We're not even going to be worried about it. So yeah. go to the West Coast. For How's your better half right now? She's, she's like great. supportive. Yeah, no, she is. She is, <laughs> and she's she's the coolest person ever, man. And has just been. Yeah, I mean, couldn't be more supportive. Yeah, couldn't get it more. Like is not like, you know. Obviously, she wishes she could come out. Of course, you know, because it'd be fun to be out here. But no, man, she is just... Man, you got me on pins and needles right now, bro. If your phone vibrates, like... Right. it's uh, like... I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's incredible. Yeah. 
So who knows? You think about that moment at 32, I mean, that's around the time that I became a dad. Yeah. And it was a seismic change that just to be really honest with you, I thought I was prepared for in some ways I was and in some ways I really wasn't. Yeah. And I had to do a lot of self-work to kind of get myself quickly into a place where I was completely yeah. present and completely there. Obviously, it's going to be the thrill of your life. Yeah. But, but has it influenced the writing of this record, do you think to some degree, the anticipation of it and what it means to a changing life? The thing for me was when these songs were written, I, did, I didn't know. But you, you, but I was still but aware you kind that, of know that something's coming, right? For sure, you, you do. You know you just that do. you're like, okay, it's like, time. Yes, like I'm, I'm married now. Like we're doing this thing, yeah. and like we're, you know, we, you know, we were attempting at the time, you there know, you and so yeah. you're wanting yeah. that yeah. thing to happen. You know what I mean? And so that's a whole different mindset, man. Yeah, yeah. To where you're going, okay, it's time to do this. You know, the golf of life, some would say. Oh, by the way, golf's out the fucking door for at least five uh, years. hundred percent. That's why that. you got to get a simulator, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then you can have the crib in there. And then you'll come back in and you'll be like, yo, stupid, like, pop won't even have a hope in <laughs> hell. Pop's f Here's the problem. If I get a simulator, he's probably going to use it more than I will, which is I, I'm never going to be able to catch you'll up You'll never to him. shake hop off. I'll never shake you him ne off. You'll never get rid of him. I told him that my life goal in golf is just to beat him one time at golf. That's like my life goal. You can tell me that. I wouldn't take that home. He's in there. He's no, in this room. I'm saying like, yeah. You're about to become a dad. Life goal with golf. Exactly. My golf life goal. Let me rephrase I know we're that. just getting to know yes. each other, yes. but let me give you some friendly advice. Yes. That one needs a I don't little mean my whole a little refinement. Goal. Just a little tuning. That's my right. my life goal in the terms of specifically yeah. the sport golf yes. is to beat Harp. Yeah. I just want to make sure that, you know, when this goes wide, mm -hmm. that the headline is appropriate. Yeah, of course. <laughs> On of course. the eve of his third album, Luke Combs yes. says his only life goal is to <laughs> beat his, beat best his high school golf. best friend at golf. Correct. <laughs> we might have a little bit of a PR yeah. issue there at that yeah. point. Yeah. We got folks for that. <laughs> you really yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. really do. That's the other thing I want to talk to you about, man, amongst many, many things, is how you sort of are able to be successful and not get swept up in the undertow and the thrash of shit. And whether... It's even been a conscious thing or just as who you are naturally yeah. to avoid it. I think it's both, definitely. You know, I've always been, I don't know, it's a, it's weird to say that when you do this job, you don't like being the center of attention, which people just are kind of like, what is that even, how is that even possible? Because you're going out and doing the thing. But it's like, if I walk into a room of like 10 people, I'm like, oh man, I don't want to be the guy yeah. that has to carry the the thing and like I now I can and I have a lot of fun especially with people that I'm close with it's fine yeah but like I don't like for instance that like let's say we went to someone's birthday party sure. right sure and I was a friend of theirs and then there was a bunch of people that we know together there and but also a bunch of people that just know them and don't know me we get there yeah and then it, quickly that thing becomes about me yeah which is like that I that like crushes me. Dude. Yeah, that's you know what I mean because it's ne I'm never like I don't want to take the focus off of anyone else at anything. Like yeah. I don't want things to become about me. The first time that and it's it's such a tough one because that first photo takes such courage for someone to want it, mm -hmm. but in that environment, that first photo is the end of your night. <laughs> it can be no, sure. it, because it's just yeah. not going to stop at that point, right? Yeah, and especially be. the drinks flow, and then it's like, all right, cool, and then they look, 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 and it's like, ah, yeah. oh, man. And yeah. so I can imagine that in a weird way, you know, you have to be present, different to everybody else in that room. Definitely, you're always like you're like aware of like, yeah, it's like a heat check. 
Like you go in somewhere and you're kind of like, okay, what's what's the vibe? But in when here? you, you know say I mean? that you you know it's weird to say I do this job and don't want to be the center of attention, I, I just want it from my perspective, having done this for like thirty years. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do I meet an artist who picks up an instrument or starts writing something down or expressing themselves because they want attention. Right. That's not the goal. Yeah, no, definitely It's a not. byproduct of something authentic mm -hmm. that connects us to you, but it's not the goal. And if it is, it's pretty short-lived. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it's it's just not, you know, it's, to me, it's just about doing, you know, I, I've always wanted to be doing something that I just love to do. You know what I mean? You always hear the old adage that's like, yeah. every dad has told you, it's like, well, if you do something you love, you never work a day in your it's life. True. You know, and you're like, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, barf, dude. Are you kidding me? Don't tell me that, you know? And then you realize, you're like, oh, wait a second. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Because there's not a day I get up and I'm like, gosh, I got to go do this thing. Today. It's like, there's not, I don't have any of those days. You yeah. Know? You build a beautiful world for yourself, man. And, and genuinely think having watched it from a distance you've done it consciously from a protective place definitely because you can yeah. really give it up without realizing it oh, and it's easy. very hard to get back mm -hmm. no doubt man it's a razor's edge of like balancing it's a balancing act of like how you know keep myself on track yeah also you know stay focused also you know be doing this thing and be a good friend and a good husband and yeah, a good, yeah. i mean that's like all you have to do you have to work i mean that's a work to be able to do all that stuff. But it's fun work, too. Yeah. Because it's like, it's not that hard to be a great husband. And it's not like it's you don't... Not, you know, it's like you just yeah. spend time with your wife and like hanging out with her and, you and can, your and you, friend. It's and like, you can walk down the road, right, to the local yeah. bar and you can have a beer and everyone knows you and everyone's cool yeah. with that. Yeah, I mean, Nashville can be easier than than some spots, you know. Sure. Because it's like there are places where it's like, okay, no one's impressed that you're in here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that I want anybody to be impressed. No, but that it's, I'm in it's there. good. It's a good thing. Yeah, but it's like you go in and someone's like, oh, that's that guy. That's cool. All right. You know, just kind of whatever. No big deal. Yeah, but then I take a look at the stats right now. I take a look at the tour that's on sale that's all completely sold out and this is somebody else's show, i.e. a festival. That's their problem. Mm -hmm. You're going to sell it out eventually anyway. If it's your name at the top and it's your night, you sold them all, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. And it's busy out there, by the way. It is. There's a lot of, more a people lot touring of right now than, I mean, since, I can, since I've started doing this. I, I, haven't seen a, I haven't seen a full block. I watch this stuff all the time. I haven't seen a full block of sold outs yet from any artist where there hasn't been a few tickets on sale somewhere down the line. Every single one is sold out right now. Yeah. Album's not even out. Yeah. No, it's crazy, man. But, I mean, you got to think. I mean, we've, I mean, Hurricane went number one in 2017. Yeah. Here we're in 2022. 13. Record-breaking number ones now? Yes. Five and years then, to the day? Yeah. Five, five years, years to the day. Five years to the day, yeah. And you, how can you say life is not magic? Yeah. How can you say there isn't magic at work? Yeah. I want an explosives button. I okay. can, I, Next time I'm getting an explosives button. You can have 55,000 people, man, okay. at a stadium and okay. Mom Duke's hanging out, drinking the free drinks and having a great time. I get the, I get the bonus. Okay, perfect. That's fine. I get, I get I'll accept bonus. that. All I'll right. accept that. All right. I'll accept that. <laughs> it's awesome, man. But oh, man. I mean, that's such a beautiful... I mean, you must recognize the magic. Like, I know that it seems cerebral at times yeah. and it's mm -hmm. work and all those things are yeah. true. Mm -hmm. There must be part of it that you just give in to. Oh, and definitely. You don't definitely. That you don't understand. Oh, definitely, man. I mean, I remember my dad telling me, he was like, man, just sometimes you just don't ask questions, you know? And that's, I feel like I'm in one of those things where it's like, 
I people are always like, man, how did it happen or when did it, what was the thing? And I go, God, if I knew how it happened, I would be selling that advice would be the thing that I would be doing. If I knew what it was or why it was. As I if would, it'd be fucking, dude, to be like Gollum, like, like my precious, <laughs> my precious. Throwing yeah. Frodo into the like yeah. burning hot lava. <laughs> yeah, but if I knew what it was, man, I, you know, yeah. it's, and I think it's just a blend of things. You know, I think there's a lot of it's timing, you know, a lot of it's, you know, luck, a lot of it, but a lot of it is hard work. Hard work. A lot of it is, you know, but it's all, you have to have all those things have to hit at the same time. Yeah. You know, and it's just insane to think that, like, somehow out of every person on the planet Earth, you know, it's well, like, why are you the guy? You yeah, but listen I mean? to these songs, man. By the way, Outrunning Your Memory with Miranda Lambert. Dude, it's like, I love that song. It's good I one, listen, man. I listened to it like five times. And by, yeah. in a row, and by the, by, by the end, when you drop it down again, just go into that little riff mm -hmm. and then bring it back in. Yeah. Dude, it's like, it's like Steve yeah. Miller Band or something to me. It's got That's this fun, real man. timeless yeah. sort of 70s rock feel like about a, it. It's like a, when I heard it, you know, when, when we got it finished, it was like, okay, this is like driving song for me. Really? You is. know what I mean? Yeah. Which is like a lot of my favorite songs are driving songs. I mean. What is, what's on your driving playlist? Oh, gosh, that would be tough, man. I'm, my favorite driving song of all time. Um, is probably Molly Hatchet flirting with disaster. Wow. That's I awesome. mean, it's like if that song's on, car's not going under 90. Yeah, yeah. For sure. yeah. I mean, it is just like musical cocaine, that song. <laughs> have you ever been you pulled I mean? over behind the wheel of the car? Yes, I have. So needless to say, you're a pretty bad driver. No, I'm a good I'm a good I'm a good driver. Speed I wouldn't factor into the to the goodness or badness of the driving. Well, no, speed is bad. Well, unless you're a race car driver. That's a racetrack. Interstate. So, <laughs> it's, it's this is LA. Don't give me the like, don't drive it's fast true. talk. It's when true. Los, Los Angeles is okay? for the worst drivers in the entire world, hands down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if it's not the texting that'll get you, it's the meds. If it's not the meds, it's the weed. If it's not the weed, it's the distracting conversation or the irrational yeah. inability to be and able to switch emotion off behind the wheel. All of those combined with like everyone having an insanely nice vehicle that is capable of driving at a concerning rate of speed. Do you spend your money on cars? Yes, but I would say not necessarily the cars that you would probably think oh. that I would be having. Got a couple of Toyotas, maybe a few. I've got a, I'll run you down a small yeah. list. Okay. Uh, I've got a 1976 Ford Ranchero. Anybody knows what that is? Mm -hmm. Are you aware of what that is? Mm -hmm. I have a 1996 spray painted camouflage Geo Tracker. Whoa, I, I did do. not see that coming. Yep. Uh, also, sure, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. What else we got? I got a '96 Eddie Bauer Ford Bronco that I took the hard top off of, so it looks like a pickup truck with the seat in the back, just like American Pie Two. That shows vision. That shows vision. That's like these I were see cars car. that I remembered. Like every car that I wanted as a kid was all redneck type things, and I'm like, those are the cars. I'm gonna have a 1988 Chrysler LeBaron. With bull horns on the front, with the wood paneling on the side, it is wonderful. It is like a just a wonderful vehicle. What's your plug-in? What's your electric option? You got one? Uh, I have a Polaris. Nice electric dude. Polaris. Nice dude. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I stay green on the property. Nice you dude. You know what I mean? Nice you dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Good yeah. for you, man. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for caring, bro. Yeah. I'm an EV guy. You know. <laughs> you know. You could probably tell, man. <laughs> Yeah, when they come out with the electric <laughs> F two fifty, I'll, I'll okay, make sure to get okay. it. <laughs> yeah, 
What do you do, man, for fun? When you're not out there working, because you must put a lot of time into this music because yeah. the songs are flawless. I said this before you arrived today. I was like, this album really is like, it's an exercise in just absolutely the highest standard of modern country music. Like, Definitely, man. Definitely, there's not yeah. a note or word out of place on this album. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and you know it, man, as well. Yeah, it's, ma- it. yeah, it's made, it's like that's what the goal is to, to do, you know? That's I mean, the goal. better back when? Yeah. What are we even talking about? That song is yeah. so flawless the way it tells those stories. Yeah. And even that bit in the bridge where you're like, it's, I'm not saying things aren't great. Right. I feel like that's to me the most crucial thing of the whole even song. The, don't you ask a question that we go, is it just me or was it? Do right. you say, is it me or was it? Did yeah. You, yeah, you like put it out to everybody. Right. It's so clever, dude. It's, uh, that that one's, I'm, that was a particular, like the second verse in that song is about going to a Kenny Chesney show that I went to his Brothers of the Sun tour. Mm. It was him and I believe Tim McGraw and they played at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte mm. and I was in college mm. and went. And it was like that particular show, there was just like this thi- this like intangible, like very, but, intangible but also a very palpable thing that was like doesn't exist but you can feel it oh it's you know what i mean those are the things that you hope when you get to the latter part of your life and memories are fleeting and you and you want to just remember the good two things number one air out your bad as you go don't take that with you Mm -hmm. and number two remember those things yeah because those are the things that go beyond like like you say, they become feelings later that you translate into songs. Like you must have, writing that must have been crazy for you because you had to almost take yourself back there. Yeah, it was fun, man. Because then you're like, I mean, you feel like you're back in that, you feel that whatever way that you felt then, it's like you can instantaneously feel that way again. Yeah. It's almost like the closest thing you can get to bottling that feeling up and, and selling it is like music is the only thing that really does that. You yeah, know? yeah. Another thing that does that, man, for me, it will be like a... Um, what do they say? It's the sense that's the most invokes the most memory is actually smell, mm-hmm. which is I thought find super interesting. So what's what smell reminds you of your childhood? I mean, probably breakfast. Yeah, you know that's a good answer. Yeah, like God, bacon, that's a good answer. Like yes. bacon, just like that thing, and like specifically lying in bed you, yeah. and smelling it coming in from the mm-hmm. kitchen. Like there's there's unexplained yeah. bacon on the grill. Yeah, you're just like there's bacon. You know it's, and you instantly know what it is. Do you know it's what? Like, you know what I always think when I when I was a kid and I would smell bacon on the grill. This is a lot about me. I would immediately jump to a place of like, I hope some of that's for me. <laughs> I hope I can have. Some like of my that. grandparents right. are just cooking bacon for themselves, and yeah. like you sort yourself out later. Yeah, yeah. six year old shit. <laughs> <laughs> now we talking back bacon or streaky bacon? Well, back then in New Zealand, it really was only back bacon. We, I didn't really get the streaky bacon phenomenon until I started traveling. It's amazing. I remember the first time I went to, we toured in the UK, mm. which is not, this is not long ago. Oh, I know where you're going with this. This right. is not bacon. No, what? no. on my plate. Well, I wasn't going to say that. You said it. It's like a flat steak. I did kind of think that. It's like someone took well, a steak and put it under my truck. And you go bacon, right? Well, but when we went, yeah. it was like the streaky bacon, which is, would yeah. be like Americanized bacon. It would be yeah. American bacon, what yeah. we think of as bacon. Yeah. It wasn't there. No. And then we went back like two years later and it was like all of a sudden somebody heard about American bacon. And they were like, we got to get this on the menu. Yeah. Back bacon is out. 
We'll have it around until all the old timers are gone that still like it. And then we'll just have streaky bacon. Are you saying that after like, you know, the final remnants (laughs) of the the World War II generation finally phased phased out? out, We're changing the bacon. We're we're changing changing the the bacon bacon situation. Whenever they're cool with it, we're changing the bacon. Yeah. I got airlifted with my family off an island in Fiji once during a cyclone. And we'd, we'd been three days without water, pretty much. We were okay. This is a true story. True story. We were in okay. a hotel. And our kids take great joy in telling this story because it wasn't the reason, but it was like the final yeah. straw. Mm-hmm. We went for breakfast and they were like, I'm so sorry. We're so really low on supplies and we don't have any more bacon. And I was like, <laughs> straight on the Call phone. Call the chopper. <laughs> straight on the phone to the travel Call agent. The chopper, get us to the mainland yeah, immediately. Chopper us out of here. There's no breakfast There's meat There's no left. breakfast meat. Yes. <laughs> get out of here. Yeah. I'm done here. That's awesome, man. Yeah, That's man. wild. Yeah. That's bacon, powerful thing. Processed meats, they say it's terrible for you. And it is. Yeah. But there's something about the human experience that allows us to just self-destruct just a little bit still. Mm. What's your worst habit? Apart from bacon. I mean, bacon's probably a part of it. Probably a part of it. <laughs> bacon's probably it a part of it. wasn't a leading question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, besides the fact, you know, I would say, you know, I mean, wearing a 3X t-shirt wouldn't advise it. Yeah, but, but yeah, but you know, it's funny, isn't it? Because um, you're a big fella, but you're very, you got a lot of charm and charisma about you. And I yeah. wonder what it would be like. I mean, at some point, whether or not you're like, hey, you know, I wouldn't mind dropping a few pounds mm-hmm. and getting myself into mm-hmm. shape yeah. if you've ever tried that or whether or not you think, hmm, is that who I am at this point in my life and, 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 what, and what your relationship is with the way we see you? Right. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it was always something that's bugged me, you know what I mean? It, to the point of like, because especially when you're younger, you're like, Oh, you're talking. Man, I just got like a horrible genetic dice roll on this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You start to realize that almost even more when you're older. And it's like, not that I don't pig out, because I do pig out. We're not, I'm not trying to say it's not my fault, because it is in a lot of ways. But it's also, it's like, I got to this point where I'm like, man, you know, I'd really love to trim down. And it's so hard for me to do that. Not from the execution standpoint. I know what to do and how to do it. And I hate to keep going back to golf, but I when I go play golf, I can hit a good golf shot. I've done it a bunch of times. I can't do it consistently, and my relationship with food has been the same thing. I know what to do and how to do it and why to do it and when to do it. It's my man. Did you meet Cappy? I'm not sure. If we met He's before. my manager. Maybe once back in 2017 quickly, but we'll say hi in a minute. When we met, Cappy was 426 pounds. Now he's... 200 and I don't know, like 220 pounds or something like, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it is, but mm-hmm. he's lost a tremendous amount of weight. And me and him would always talk about being a big guy and how hard it is because if you're, let's say you're, I don't know, let's say you're a cocaine addict, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you quit cocaine. Food is the only drug that you are addicted to that you have to have to live. That's very true. I don't need a cigarette to be alive, yeah, you but don't. I need it food to be alive. So changing. If the equivalent of, of if you needed, like if you wanted to quit smoking, but you but you live in a place where someone's smoking next to you all the time. Right. Or you couldn't breathe if you weren't if you, breathing yeah, in a cigarette. Some kind of smoke in some description. Right. It's like you would literally die without food. And so it's like, that's what makes it such a difficult thing. But I think this whole, now this having a kid thing is like really like messed my head up on this thing in the best way which is like whoa a second okay because yeah, they run 
really it's fast. Like, but it's like, I want to be around, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I'm fine right now. My cholesterol and my blood pressure and stuff, it's fine because I'm a younger guy. But by the time I'm 45, it's not going to be because of the shape that I'm in. Plus, I also realize it's like, man, it's like I want my thing to continually become better overall. The show, the songs, the, the everything. And I feel like that can be, I feel like sometimes I go and I'm like, man, like, I don't want people to think of me in this way where it's like, this guy doesn't care about himself or this guy doesn't. And I know not that anybody does. You know, that's another OCD thing where yeah, you're like, I get it. what's everybody, th you know, what are they going to think or what, you know what I mean? It's like, and so well, it's, it's a beautiful um, shame mechanism that because it's a, it's totally made up hypothetical yes, and feeds that beast beautifully. For sure. It's not a thing that's even particularly real, dude. And it's something that's, you know, yeah. it's kind of out of your control in a lot of ways, you know? And so it's something that I've definitely struggled with, but it's also something that, I just am also really comfortable in my own skin as well. Well, that's the interesting part about it, you right? Know, Which is like... It's both so, somehow. And that's where the work kicks in, right? When you got to look at it, the work differently because, in my experience, because when I was at my lowest point and people were still patting me on the back telling me I was a great, doing a great job, mm -hmm. right? And I've had some of the like most successful periods of my career during some of the lowest points of my life. Yeah. It's a really interesting contradiction going it on is. there, you know. It and, is. and you realize the only thing that really enables you to kind of keep pushing forward and not use that as the ultimate crutch is if you start to kind of just pull a few layers back and do a little more work. Like yes. as you move forward in life as someone who's a student of the arts and someone who looks to communicate through your songs, a better understanding of life through your filter, how do you see things like self-work, therapy, mindfulness in your life and factoring into your life moving forward? I mean, I think it's... Answers, basically. Yeah. Searching for the answers. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just a, a prominent part of the human condition. You know what I mean? Like, you're always, what's next? How do I fix this thing? How do I do this thing? How do I continue to yeah. grow, right? And so, for me, I think the neat thing or the interesting thing or sometimes the damning thing about what we do is, like you're saying, you can be so doing so well and so prolifically at whatever job that you are doing. And people are going, wow, man, you are just absolutely crushing it. But inside, you are just like a, like a mess yeah. on the inside. Yeah. And there's something fulfilling for me, and, I, and not to speak for you, but you may feel the same way. It's like once you're through that thing, once you've overcome your particular demon that is attacking you at the moment, and you look back, it's like it's almost the success is almost even sweeter. Yeah. Because you're like, that thing could have crushed me yeah. and just let me fall completely apart. And I would, it's like you said, you would have every excuse to go, couldn't do it, man. And there are people out there that that happens to, and that's okay too. That's the thing that kept me going through my darkest days is like, I, stu I do still have this thing that's, that's here and like, I get to go play these shows, like the shows... And my wife are the things that really have saved me, dude. Well, because you know those, I mean? those, yes, because it's the same for me. The shows yes. and my wife are the, are the two, things that right. saved me. Like I still have those things. Well, you know what I mean? First of all, they love unconditionally yes. because they reflect back what you put in. Mm -hmm. So if you're committed, what you get back is just this pure just commitment. Brilliant thing. Yes. You love us, we love you back. Mm -hmm. Same thing in a, in, a, in a beautiful and healthy relationship. But secondly, both things require you 
to ultimately spend as much time in the moment as possible. Absolutely. Because if you can't be in the moment on stage, you're not doing your job. And if you can't be in the moment in your most important relationships, you're not doing your job. Absolutely. Absolutely agreed, man. So they shake that out the tree real quick. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. That's one of the things I really, really admire about you and your writing, man, is I feel that you put it in to the work and you're unafraid about it. I, I think your success is actually more a byproduct of the life you live. In I would, a, in a I would way. fully, I'd fully agree with that, man. I've always tried to be the best person that I can possibly be, man, to everyone, not just to you or to another country singer, but the guy that's driving the car over here or the guy that's sitting outside of my green room at the show or the, you know, person working the food stand or like anybody that wants a picture. Like, yeah. it's just, it's like never too much for me because I think a lot of times like in the music industry sometimes the fan is the last person that's considered in the equation which is just baffling to me because they're really the only part of the whole equation that matters at all because if you don't have any fans there is no fancy room to do interviews in there is no stage there is no albums like because if nobody wants it then What's the point of doing it? And it's like when I I was so blown away by that sometimes, like the things that would be suggested, hey, man, we you know we think you should do this or do that. And it's like, how does this do? This is all for us, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do the like, fans like, factor into this? Like I'm like this thing that we're doing is feeding my ego and your ego as someone in the music business. And then it's like it doesn't add anything to anyone's experience outside of our own. It's always been to me about the fans, dude. Like that's that's if they're not happy, then no, then you know why? Because you reflect your experience growing up of where the value in the relationship truly exists. You're reflecting that now through your m- mature life, yeah. and this is our first major conversation. I hope it's the first of many. Yes, I've been looking well. forward to it for a long time. I think if there's one thing that I would take away, if I see my wife today, she's always every now and then she's like, oh, you know, what's he like? Or what's she like? Or what are they Mm -hmm. like? You know, she asks questions of the day and stuff. I'd be like, man, he's a very gifted kid who was really well raised. I I mean, I I would agree, man. That's the headline right there, My parents are, you know, truly, I mean, that like the struggles I, you know, saw them go through, you know, with jobs and work and you know, the not having a lot of money, it was like, that was the thing that stuck with me so much throughout my whole life. And every day that I get older, man, it's like, I appreciate it even more because I know it's like how hard that I can't imagine how hard it must've been to, to raise, you know, cause I also had the pressure in like my own head, my parents never put this pressure on me, but in my own head of I'm it, man. Like, what if they do all this work just and me. they get through all these times and I'm a fucking burnout. Man. Yeah, I'm and I'm a moron. I'm an idiot. I'm a waste of time. What happens, man? Yeah, yeah. Like, how do they deal with that? Like, I can't let them down. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I have to. Like, there's nobody to go. Well, at least our other kid's a doctor. There isn't a fallback thing for for my folks. You know, so it was like, and they never. You know, my parents were always great. Whatever you want to do, do it and be great and just. It doesn't matter. You know, they never push me to be a certain way or be a certain person or do yeah, a certain thing. Yeah, but that has a wonderful opposite effect. That it is, does. It, it actually puts, the, it puts mm-hmm. you in a place where you start to take some self-responsibility. For sure. 
For sure. Right? Because what, what do I say at the end of all this if I haven't figured it out and I had every opportunity to? You don't want to ask yourself that question later yeah. in life, man. Yeah, no doubt. Growing Up is going to be your most successful album for all the right reasons. Your touring is off the charts. You're a really good dude. Thank you. I wish we could have another conversation, but after that t-shirt in this studio, that opportunity is gone. <laughs> well, that era's over anyways, man. You come to Nashville, we can do one at my house. <laughs> Luke Combs, everybody. The latest conversation right here in the interview series. What does that do? Um, I think you put a towel into it and you clean it out. Oh, so it's for cleaning the flute. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll figure it all out. Let's have a future conversation right here on the podcast. And uh, next week, we're going to share a conversation that needed to be had. Out of that huge burst of success and energy that was EDM came some real stories about recovery and how people were able to put their personal lives back together in order to remain passionate about making music and know a better position to have that conversation than one of the biggest names in dance music, Hardwell. That's our guest next week on the podcast. Thanks very much for stopping by.